Amen. Thanks, uh, Taylor, Elias, John. Wow. Um, that's such a beautiful song and uh, such a beautiful passage that we get to um, go over today, this morning. Um, good morning again. Uh, welcome to anybody visiting. My name is Martin LaRocca. I'm one of the elders here. And it's really, really my privilege um, to get to open up God's word with you today. I, um, gosh, I love, I love this passage. It's beautiful. It's encouraging. Isn't it, church? Um, ben said last week it's one of his favorites and in, in the book of Hebrews. And, and for me, it's even one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Um, and I would recommend that you, you memorize it because it will continue to minister to you um, for ages and to your family as it's on the tip of your tongue. Um, and, and I also I also have concern for myself sometimes with this passage because it's so familiar. There's a risk of, of using it only for kind of kind of a pick me up when you need it, right? Put it on a coffee mug, Romans 1 8 or 8 1, there's no condemnation in Christ. And you know, you've got this little crafts latte of spiritual encouragement. Um, it's sweet, it's tasty, it's energizing. Um, but there's depth of complexity and wisdom for our lives that we miss if we if we just use it that way, if we just look at it that way. And um, I feel like this thematic of this theme of, of the risk of the of the familiar has followed us quite a bit through Hebrews. And I'm not sure if it's a, a theme we realize we would be discussing so much, but God has certainly been telling me to uh, look closer at things that are familiar. Something that is familiar that we have become just too often desensitized to is, is the violence in, in our country um, in the form of mass senseless killings. And we're, we're so familiar with injustice against minority groups and minority ethnicities and and I don't mean injustice just in the legal system, but, but how the Bible describes justice and, and righteousness. And as many of you know, um, there was a string of shootings in the Atlanta area this week that left eight people dead, um, six of whom are, are women of Asian descent. And regardless of the motivation for these murders, we see injustice impacting a minority group. And uh, it's something we just see too often. So how do we as a church address this week after week and tragedy after tragedy? Um, the national conversation about race relations continues to impact all of us. And uh, I, I really pray that, that we use this cultural time to seek God's kingdom, which we know is ethnically and culturally diverse. The gospel is for every tribe and nation and to be spread to the ends of the earth. Um, Latasha Morrison is a, is a Christian author and speaker. We recommended some of her work, and she speaks of the importance of lamenting sin in this world in order to empathize and sympathize with people different from us. Um, I'd like to take a moment for us to sit still and pray that God may help us to lament over the sin that causes heinous acts like these. Um, this powerful line in, in a song 
um, Hosanna that may resonate with you that essentially we'll, we'll be praying right now. Break my heart for what breaks yours is the plea to the Lord today. So families, I know with online church, a lot can be kind of going on around you. Um, take a moment to try and be still in your homes right now. Kiddos, if you are running around the house, uh, listen to me. Um, uh, get with your with your parents for a quick minute and uh, and, and let's pray. I'm going to prompt you with a with a short prayer. Um, each of you may pray silently to yourselves on that topic, and and after a few of our prompts, I will um, I'll close this. So bow your heads um, with me, church. Uh, Lord God, we come before you um, saddened by the sin. God, that caused this loss of life. We've become familiar with stories like this. Um, and I know that my heart can, can often be hardened to it. Uh, Lord, grant me, grant us the space to mourn as we look upon this tragedy. Lord God, we pray for the families impacted by this event that they may find comfort in your name. Lord God, we pray for our enemies. God, we pray for the person responsible for this atrocity, for those who choose to take precious life. May you do mighty work so that they may repent and turn to you, God. Lord, we ask you to fill us with compassion for the sinner. Lord, we ask you to comfort those who mourn as you promised. God, I specifically pray for those in our church body who are shaken by the news um, and those of us with Asian heritage who are carrying a burden in this current social climate. Lord, bring comfort. Father God, let us understand the weight of sin so that we may turn to you and praise you our great and faithful Redeemer, who will make all things new. We pray this in your mighty and holy name. Amen. Um, Isaiah 117 reads, Learn to do good. Seek justice. Correct oppression. Bring justice to the fatherless. Plead the widow's cause. So what do we do um, to right racial and ethnic injustice? Um, it's, a, it's an intimidating journey. Um, three tangible steps for you today. Um, seek guidance from God. Church, I ask that you seek guidance from the Lord. May he help you experience empathy and compassion for those who have experiences different than yours. Whether that be different life experience because how they're treated due to their ethnicity, socioeconomic status, disability, um, whatever it may be. Two, do, do the work and, and listen and understand the stories of people different from you. 
um, before you grab an Asian American friend and, and ask them to unload their experiences on you right now, I would recommend you um, read or listen to interviews um, of the many accounts available um, first so we don't overwhelm our brothers and sisters. Um, listen to their stories and, and pray for our neighbors. Uh, pray for Christ-like compassion, which we will um, be discussing in today's um, passage. And uh, finally, church, experience cultures and, and acknowledge someone else's culture. Um, I have lived a life of uh, practicing colorblindness, um, which I, I learned has damaged me. Um, it's, been, it's been not good for my own uh, view of myself and my heritage even. So, so build it as a practice in your family, and, and it could mean eating a meal with someone or praying with someone or just talking to someone who's from a different culture. And that doesn't have to just be from an ethnic background perspective. Um, you know, God taught me a lot by making friends, spending time uh, who, with people who live on the streets and experience a very different life and culture. Um, so seek guidance from the Lord for a compassionate heart. Do the work and listen and experience someone else's culture. These are just the first steps toward unity across ethnic and cultural backgrounds. Um, I believe that as you do these, the Lord will guide your journey. Um, we're going to send out some resources on racial and cultural healing that we recommended in the past, but I, I also want to make myself personally available to you. Um, so if you'd like to talk more about this, uh, you can reach out to me directly. And if you don't have my contact inf information, um, please submit a prayer request and um, let me pray for you and, and mention that you'd, you'd like uh, to chat uh, in that prayer request um, via text uh, when we get there later in the service. <sighs> yeah, thanks. Um, Church, I, I, I want you all to know that when we prepare sermons, um, we always go before the Lord and seek guidance and, and, and wisdom on, on what he wants to be spoken today. And... Uh, Right, that's why pastors write new sermons instead of just like hitting play on somebody else's or, or just reading straight from a manuscript. Um, and as we dive into the word, I, I want you to know this because you know you have entrusted yourselves to Wayside, uh, and it's for your spiritual growth and maturity and God's glory that these words are strung together into what is hopefully a, a half decent sermon that, that may not put you to sleep this morning. So, um, Church, please pray with me um, for, for illumination from the Lord as we dive into the text. Uh, Lord God, um, I come to you with humility. You are um, creator of all. Um, you have, uh, you've chosen me to speak to our, our church body today, and um, I pray that it may be used for your glory, that your will be done through my words, through these words. Um, for the spiritual maturity and, and, and growth of, 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 our, of our people, Lord. We pray this in your mighty and holy name. Amen. One thing we do, um, I think, as, as cultural Christians, and, and because so much of our, even our music, um, has us looking at, at Jesus as, uh, and Jesus' death, right? Uh, that we look at him as, as the lamb, and we see his death and, and we see his resurrection. And it can be easy for us with these coffee mug verses 
um, and, and the pick-me-up, feel-good encouragement to, to look at Jesus as merely the lamb, merely the lamb um, that, was, that was slain for, for our um, atonement. And so if, if we're warmed by those Bible verses and just focus on it for our personal salvation and, and that he gives us eternal life, yes. Um, but if we look at it only in that way and only in that lens um, as an individual, I think we're missing out on a lot. See, Jesus, as, as we sang, is Lord of Lords. He is also a priest. And today's passage reads, he is our great high priest. For all humanity, Jesus is our representative before the Lord. Jesus is our priest and representative. So church, approach him with humility and confidence. We can approach him with humility and confidence. We're going to look at the person of Christ today and how we should respond to him. Um, The person of Jesus and our response. Let's read the passage again. Therefore... Since we have such a great, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let's hold firmly to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things, just as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let's approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace for help at the time of our need. The passage explains a few things to us about Jesus, and it gives us two commands on how we should respond. The first says to hold firmly to our confession that Jesus is Lord. And for today's passage, I'll refer to it as our humble confession. And the second is to approach the throne of grace with confidence. So we'll look at the person of Jesus and why we respond with a humble confession. Jesus is our great high priest who passed through the heavens. Look at verse 14, the first part here. Therefore, since we have a great high priest. Okay, so Jesus has been given this title of high priest. Think back. What does the Bible tell us about priests? Think back all of it. Let it flood back into your mind. Because that's how the Hebrew audience that this is being spoken to, read to, um, was they were very familiar with the Old Testament priesthood. They, they still had it really actively going on um, around them. The priests had a sacred duty to the family of God, the nation of Israel, to do what? To represent the people, to go through, to go, th- to represent the people through ceremony and through sacrifice. They, they were bridging the gap between God and people through, through solemn and complex rituals. It was a lot of work. And they were held in high regard for their service. And if you're taking notes, um, write down Numbers 13. Go read back on Numbers 13. Um, the Lord commissions Aaron and the tribe of Levi with carrying this burden of priesthood, acting as representatives for, um, of the Israelites to God. And in many ways, the Levites were held responsible for the spiritual well-being of the entire nation. And every year, they had one big ceremony you may be familiar with. Um, do you remember, what, you know, kind of what, what's the Super Bowl for, for these priests every year that, that covers everything they might have missed on the day-to-day? 
That's right. That's right. I love I love online church. I actually can't see any of you, unfortunately. Uh, the Day of Atonement, right? Or, or Yom Kippur, um, you, you nailed it. Uh, basically, it's the one day a year with a, speci- a specific ceremony where the high priest enters the depths of, of the tabernacle of the, or the temple. And in a room or a space of, of a room called the Holy of Holies, uh, providing a sacrifice that covers all the sin um, of the year for the nation. The priest passes through the courts of the tabernacle um, and and passes through uh, deeper and nearer to the presence of God approaching the mercy seat on the ark to perform the ritual. The mercy seat. It's like a throne for God's presence on earth. And what did Jesus, our great high priest, do? Look at verse 14. Since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens. He passed not through the temple corridors and the final veil to the mercy seat, but he passed through the heavens to the true throne room. Our humble confession, church, is about one who passes through to the throne room as our representative. Let's keep looking at verse 14. We just saw that Jesus is the ultimate priest, a great high priest. He accomplished his priestly duty in a manner greater than any in the past, and we'll get into that more uh, in the coming uh, verses and chapters. And we are reminded of Jesus' divinity, the Son of God. I'd like to recall the very opening of the book of Hebrews. Chapter 1 reads, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers, in the prophets, in in many uh, portions and in many ways, in these last days he has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory, the exact representation of his nature, and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is the person of Jesus our high priest who passed through the heavens as our representative, who is the son of God. And for these reasons, among countless others, let's hold fast to the confession. Jesus is Lord. How do we live that out? How do we, how do we hold fast to that confession? One thing that, that I'm challenging myself to do um, over this next week is to, to look upon high, uh, the high priest Jesus and consider consider our humble con- confession. If you're taking notes, write this down so you can come back to it in your journaling and reflection later. Write down, Jesus is Lord, comma, not, and then put a big blank here and leave yourself some room. Uh, we want to fill in that, that blank with things that rule over you. Okay, Jesus is Lord, not Fill it in with something that rules over you. Our humble confession is this. You are Lord Jesus, not me, not the president of the United States or the UN, not the bank or the mortgage, not the kids' schedules, not the search for a partner, not COVID, not senseless murder or the racist or the prejudices put upon you or upon your brothers and sisters and our neighbors. Not the hate and darkness that fills this world. That is not Lord over me. I am not Lord 
I am not Lord Jesus. You are Lord. You pass through the heavens as my priest. You are Lord of all, Jesus. Make your list. Read your list to yourself regularly um, and add to it. And, uh, and let's see what God does. I think, I think he will do a mighty work through it. Um, church last night, I, I kind of finished, I finished kind of my last pass through, through the sermon. And I, uh, I did, uh, what's a, a bad habit of mine when I'm a little tired. I, I jumped on Facebook and I, and I scrolled through the feed a little and I came across, um, a post of a, a someone who I partnered in ministry with several years ago and, um, and he's since walked away from the church and from Jesus and he posted this article about uh, about why people are walking away from the church and 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 he's he kind of said like hey I was comforted by this and um, I read through it and and my heart just broke um, lots of individuals who who walked away from the church or from Jesus and the stories were brief um, and I know they're more complex than, than the story was telling, but um, we, you know, we're, we need to hold fast because we have this high priest. And, and something that I noticed was that these, these individuals, they didn't seem to have space um, within their church bodies to discuss the things that were hard or they were questioning. Um, and, and so they felt ostracized. Um, so church again I just want to speak to you and say if you have questions if you have doubts if you are struggling with the Lord um, you have space to discuss that here with us um, and and we love you and, and we're going to work through that together and um, we have an amazing encouragement we have an amazing encouragement to hold fast to in the midst of struggles um, as we're going to see here in verses 15 and 16. Verses um, 15 and 16, they command us to have humble confidence. And why is that? Again, let's look at the person of Jesus. Jesus understands our needs. So we must understand our needs for mercy and for grace. Jesus was tempted, yet he was without sin. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but one who has been tempted in all things, just as we are, yet without sin. Okay, okay, so so our high priest is not distant. Okay, he's not a begrudging ritual performer. Um, Jesus does not look at your struggles and temptation and just say, really, Martine? You're being prideful again, considering your own needs more important than, than those of your family right now? Really? Ugh, I can't believe I gave my life for you. We believe that lie, don't we? But no, no, Jesus sympathizes with our weakness. Of course he's not happy to see us struggle or fall to sin. He constantly told people, go, sin no more. But he has deep sympathy for us. And the word sympathy... It essentially means to have compassion towards someone, but the nuance is that it means having compassion towards someone because you have been there. You know what it's like to experience that thing. 
if you lost a child, the person who can offer you the most sympathy is another parent who has lost a child. There's a depth of fellowship in the word sympathy, a unique intimacy to that relationship. And so in Jesus, we have a unique intimacy with our high priest, our representative. He was tempted in every way. He fought and fought. Jesus knows how hard it is. Actually, even more than you or I do. And, and, and I know it's a little confusing. Martin, wait, he didn't, how could he have been tempted in every way? Jesus didn't have kids. He was never tempted to, in anger, raise his voice at his child or to just veg out in front of the TV and, and watch some more of that, some more, you know, another episode. At, you know, I really shouldn't. But that cliffhanger, plus Netflix starts it in five seconds anyway. You know, he wasn't tempted. He wasn't tempted to repeat a sin because he already fell to it, um, you know, like, like we would an addiction. No, these were not the exact forces of temptation pushing Jesus to commit a sin. But we know that Satan tempted Jesus to choose himself over the ones he loved. He was tempted to escape the realities of the tasks set before him. And because he never gave in, I would argue he faced much greater force of holding fast to righteousness. So church, whatever your sin struggle, or just struggle, struggle, even if it's not sin, um, financial, if you have needs, Jesus, our Lord, has compassion for you, with you, in sympathy, because he has been there too. This is the person of Jesus, full of sympathy, because he endured every temptation, yet made it through without sin. How should we then respond? Verse 16. Let's approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace for help at the time of our need. We must understand our needs for mercy and grace, church, and we can approach the throne with confidence. For those, for those reasons, everything we've read so far, where we can approach with confidence. Jesus is our God, high priest, who has passed through the heavens, Son of God, who can sympathize with you and me because he has endured it. He has persevered without sin. That is the representative who grants us into the throne room. Praise God. Praise God. And so we must humbly understand that as we go to the throne room, we have a need for mercy and grace always. I'd argue as you know, as we go before the Lord in prayer and petition, we are always in need of mercy and grace. Open any prayer and, and you need those things. Mercy, that is the, the withholding of, of a punishment or justice that we deserve. No, no late fee on that toll road bill. You guys know what I'm talking about. Those, those terrible late fees are hefty. Grace. To be given something you absolutely do not deserve. It's like it's like the toll authority suddenly saying, "Hey, you didn't pay your toll bill, but um, I'm just going to give you five bucks, and don't worry about it." Um, we know mercy. We know the wages of sin is death, and so we are in constant need of mercy. Uh, keep death from us, Lord, so that we may repent. We can be confident, God. That we can be confident that God will grant this because He has done so since He put Adam and Eve out into the garden exile an act of mercy jesus has sympathy for us we can we can humbly be confident that he will grant us mercy 
Ephesians 2 says that we were dead in our transgressions. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together in Christ, with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Grace in our time of need, whatever it may be, we can confidently expect being given a gift we do not deserve from God. I mean, we were already given a gift of of justification, salvation in Jesus, but you will certainly be granted continual forgiveness, right? You've been granted forgiveness for everything going forward, every sin you've committed in the past um, already. But when you ask in his name, he intends to grant. And when you are certainly undeserving of this type of gift, right? John 14 reads, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do, because I go to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. That is grace. Mercy and grace, the very acknowledgement that we need these things, which we do daily depend on mercy and grace. If, if you understand, if we need mercy and grace, you are humbling yourself, church. Have humble confidence in your prayers. Approach the throne. You get to approach the throne in your time of need with confidence. So when you pray, um, I encourage you to follow the model Jesus gave us for prayer. Um, Review the the Lord's Prayer. Um, Acknowledge God's great holiness. Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Humbly submit yourself to the kingdom, to the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Humble yourselves, church, and be confident that as you come to the throne of grace, Jesus, our high priest, has passed through the heavens. He's the Son of God. He's full of sympathy and understanding of where you're coming from. Um, I'd like to leave you with this image that, um, gosh, I, I meditate on regularly. I, I pray that you would consider who Jesus is, and I think this is such a beautiful picture. Um, this is a passage in Re- uh, Revelation, and um, it's, a, it's a vision uh, being granted by God to John. And like most visions and revelations given to people throughout the Bible, it's hard to explain the glimpse into the, the heavenly realm and the imagery for us. It's striking and confusing. And I'm not about to unpack it entirely, but I, I will point out a few things. So John hears a loud voice call to him. And when he turns around to see who it is, he's given this heavenly vision. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe to his feet, and girded across his chest was a golden sash. His head and his hair were white like wool, like snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished uh, bronze when it had been made to glow in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of many waters, roaring waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword. And his face was like the sun, shining in its strength. 
When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. Here we see Jesus in the fullness of his glory in, a, in what seems to be a, a heavenly temple space, dressed like a priest with, with long robes and a sash. We see and hear his divinity, a roaring voice, a shining face like the sun. He's holding stars in the palm of his hand, people. And we see a friend, a compassionate, understanding Jesus, take that very same hand and put it on the shoulder of his friend as he encourages him. Jesus is not merely a lamb who took our sin. He is the Son of God. He is our high priest who passed through the heavens. He endured every temptation and yet is without sin. So he can be your perfect representative who understands you. This is Jesus. With humility, we fall to his feet with confidence that he will place his hand upon us and comfort us, provide mercy and grace in our time of need. Next week, um, and actually a few more, Ben will continue to expand on Jesus as our great high priest. Um, it's such a powerful identity of his that I feel like we just don't get to sing about as much. There aren't as many songs about Jesus, our high priest. So uh, let me close us in prayer.